0: Thank you for praising, for worshiping, to entering in. If you did not grab one of these little handouts there, uh, right in the back, next to the sound uh, board, grab one of these, uh, because this is going to help guard, or guard, (laughs) hopefully guard, and guide us this evening. And we are going to talk about uh, the gifts of the Spirit, and we're going to start with the, uh, the gift of tongues, and... Probably, it just is. It's the most controversial one. So let's just cut to the chase. Uh, So much, I mean, in some ways, division over this gift. I would suggest uh, a lot of misunderstanding of the gift. And so our hope is this month and the next month, we're going to unpack some of these things. And uh, what we will not get through um, in... Its fullness is really kind of what we would say is the, the, the work of the Spirit, the baptism of the Spirit, the infilling of the Spirit. So... That's going to be for another another time, but we'll just say that here at Third, we believe uh, that the Holy Spirit does come into us at salvation, but then also is poured back, also poured onto us, and there's a continual pouring out uh, for empowerment and for ministry and all kinds of things. And one of those is also the gifts. And so, Steph is going to do a majority of the teaching uh, tonight, but I wanted to give just a little bit of my journey, and I've shared various parts of it. And and thought it would be, I think, hopefully helpful. And uh, next month, we're going to invite some other people to share some of their testimony and some of their journey. Because story is just really good. Because uh, it, I think it helps... It really helps us understand some of these things better. And so many of you know, I came out of a more conservative, traditional church. And uh, that church uh, did not believe in, uh, it believed in the Holy Spirit, but did not believe in the gifts of the Spirit, did not believe that the Holy Spirit was really at work. So they were what we'd say is a sensationist, believing church, that uh, the things of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, those passed away when the original apostles, the disciples, passed away. And so that was kind of my upbringing. And through uh, my, my early years, my parents, who were radically saved in this revival, had a group of uh, people, where, a community where the Holy Spirit was just doing a lot of things in them. And they did not have a lot of the religious past to kind of dictate and create some lenses through which they viewed the church. And so the Lord was doing a lot of things. And my parents, and even in the Nazarene church that I was in, I remember my parents talking about the Holy Spirit. And having encounters and having dreams and these things that were a little bit foreign to us, but we knew to be reality. And when you read in Acts, you see them to be reality. And so, uh, around my, I believe it was right around my sixth, seventh grade year, my parents really felt a strong sense from the Lord, and it was a timely thing that we were supposed to leave our church, and we started going thirty minutes away to a charismatic church, and it was like for me one extreme to the other. Like, and I'm not joking. Like, we get into the service the first week, and it's contemporary praise music for like forty minutes. By the end, people are praying for people, and they're resting in the Spirit. You know, in that church, we call it slain in the Spirit. You know, good charismatic phrase. And there was these manifestations of the Holy Spirit doing things. I heard people speaking in tongues that I'd never heard that before. And I'm like, like, really, like, what is going on here? It's a lot to take in when you're a sixth grader, you know, but I, I, I remember these really, I would say formational moments that the Lord was giving me. And in my journey, I was around, I had to be about age 14 or 15 Uh, I was in a class, and it was a small class, and there was probably 10 fellow friends, uh, people my age, and we were talking about being empowered by the Holy Spirit. And in my uh, circle, my culture, we called it a baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so the teacher just asked, Mike, have you ever been baptized in the Holy Spirit? And I had been there long enough to know what she is talking about and these things. And I'm like, no. And so, uh, so they prayed for me. We just did this simple prayer. And uh, it, was, it was interesting because as I knew in my culture that when you prayed for the Holy Spirit, there was always an evidence of speaking in tongues. That was my normal culture. Young, old, man, woman, when you prayed for somebody to receive more of the Holy Spirit, they always spoke in tongues. And so I was like feeling the pressure. Like I'm like... <laughs> Like, what if they pray for me and I don't pray and speak in tongues? And so in that moment, I remember I'm sitting at the eight-foot Monroe table. I could almost, like, I'm pretty sure I was the second person in. The teacher was at the head. And they're praying for me. And they come and they put their shoulders on me. And they're like, Mike, just just let it flow. And I'm like, let what flow? Like... (laughs) There's only one thing I know what to let flow, and that's not appropriate. You know, like, um, and so they're just, you know, just let it come out. And so I remember in that moment, a little bit feeling the pressure as like a 14-year-old. And so I started to kind of just mumble some little words, phrases. And that was the extent of my first tongues experience. I didn't feel any Holy Spirit presence or power come on me. I didn't feel any heat or overwhelming sensations I felt like in some ways I had just made up some words and yet in the inside I believed that I had received something. Like I really did. I'm like, I'm going to stand in faith believing that I've received more of God's presence. And so, Uh, Later on that day, my teacher had spoken with my dad and I, again, remember, uh, and that's why I know the age because my dad said, okay, you got to learn how to drive a stick shift. So somehow we got a hold of a stick shift and we're going out and we're driving and my dad's like, so I heard that they prayed for you and uh, how'd that go? And so I'm, you know, kind of explaining and he just, he encouraged me. He's like, Mike, just every day, just start to speak those simple words that you felt like the Lord gave you. And in faith, just stand. And just every day, just practice. And as I stepped into it, in some ways not believing, yet believing, not sure if I'm making this up, my prayer language of speaking in tongues began to grow. And much like infants who, as they begin with very few mumbly words, over time, their, prayer lang- their language grows, and so was my prayer language. So I do not have a crazy story of being overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit, and I am just blabbing. And so I tell you my story because much of my experiences is, and we'll talk about some of this, is that my experience with speaking in tongues and having a personal prayer language is that I have to initiate it. The Holy Spirit didn't come on and just start moving my tongue and waggling it around. And that was for me the kind of this tension of like, am I just making this up? Like, is this really real? And yet the Lord continued to stir my spirit and my prayer language has grown. And, uh, And this is as I went from high school into college. This is where some of the theological things that we're going to talk about really started to shape me because out of the church that I came in, uh, I feel like one thing that I learned and really believed that was not a correct theological uh, belief was this idea that to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you have to speak in tongues. So that was my church background. So if you didn't speak in tongues, you must not be filled with the Spirit. So I come to college and I start getting in a community of friends and I start going to Third, and I come to Third the very first time on a well, it was a, I believe it was a Sunday morning, and I remember Pastor Kevin was here and he'd only been here for a couple of years, but I remember him preaching and I had been around uh, really great teachers, preachers, evangelists, people full of the Holy Spirit, and I came into that service and I knew right away that man is full of the Holy Spirit. And then growing closer to Kevin, realizing, but Kevin doesn't speak in tongues. How is this possible? How can somebody be full of the Holy Spirit and not speak in tongues? So this is like messing with my paradigm. Because everything I knew was framed up like this. And then as I started talking with more of my friends, I still tell the story of Marty Schmidt, who is the pastor down at the bridge. I'm, we're in uh, our townhouses. Marty's in another room. And Marty Schmidt, he yells out to me, Mike, have you ever spoken tongues? And I'm like, oh boy, here we go. You know, and so I started to have conversation and dialogue with different friends. And my experience was, is that we would pray together and certain friends would get a personal prayer language of speaking in tongues. And then I would pray for other people and they wouldn't. And I'm like, what's going on here? And so as I've been on this journey, I've learned a lot about what does it mean to be full of the spirit? What does it mean to use a personal prayer language? And then the big discrepancy is like, well, doesn't that mean you have to corporately use it? And does only certain people get the gift? And so these are the things that we're going to try to unpack. And we're going to talk about the mystery of it, because there's a mystery to so many of these giftings, and this is my, you know, last real quick, just funny story. So I, uh, I don't, I don't use my, I use my personal prayer language regularly for myself. I don't use it lots, even in group prayer, because I'm very mindful of people and all this, and even in my home, I don't use it lots. But I got to the point of like, I need to pray with my kids so they like know this stuff, you know, and not because I was scared, but just I'm always feeling out the right time. And so this one time, uh, I for the first time share with them, and I'm like, and I'm gonna. We talked about the Holy Spirit, and so I'm like, yeah, kids, I have a personal prayer language, and so I'm like, I'm going to, I want to pray with you, and I'm going to use it, and my second, my uh, Elam, my second child, at the end, he's like, yeah, and he's, he's so funny, because he's just very innocent, a little naive to some things, he's like, was that Dutch? <laughs> no, Elam, it was not, so there you go.
1: All right. <laughs> that's awesome. When I started praying over my kids, they asked if it was Spanish. So I, yeah, there you go. Um, Awesome. Well, we are just yeah uh, excited to step into some of these places that really are uh, kind of mysteries. And you know, we we borrowed that phrase, stewarding the mysteries of God, right out of First Corinthians four one. Um, Paul talks about that, and we just loved that phrase because honestly, there are so many things around the Holy Spirit, really our faith in general, right? That we're constantly learning. There's always more revelation, and there are some things we may or may not know this side of heaven. All right, so we're gonna do. So, um, but I was just going to say, in that same light, there are some really great things that we can know about the Holy Spirit, and about his gifts, and how um, he works, and um, so we're excited to unpack some of these things, because, uh, you know, I went for years, and years, and years, having a prayer language, and never even hearing a single teaching about it, and I'm just curious, how many of you have ever heard a teaching on tongues? Okay, there's a few of you. Oh, that's more than I would have thought. Okay, well, great. Well, hopefully mine's as good. I don't know. We'll see. Here we go. But, um, you know, I think about that phrase, and I think there are some things, especially in our journey with the uh, Holy Spirit, that kind of invite us to belief without full understanding. And, you know, I think tongues is maybe maybe one of those things. And so... um, Yeah, so we're going to kind of jump right in. Like Mike said, we're going to do kind of a two-part teaching around this. At first, we're going to try and tack it all in one night. And then we're like, oh, wow, there's just so much here. Um, It's going to be hard to do everything we want to do around this in one night. And so I'm going to do kind of... um, sort of the the more heavy uh teaching unpacking of the gift um tonight and then would love for you to come back in february and we're going to do lots of testimonies actually we're going to have a panel um sharing stories just like mike kind of shared his journey and there's going to be several of us that are going to share our journey and then we're also going to do just more q a stuff so as i'm teaching if things come up tonight questions that you have please write them down, and then um, place them in the little box on the table on your way out. And we just hope that it's just kind of a fun night of learning together. Um, and so if I don't get some a question that you have answered tonight, um, one, I may not know the answer to it, or two, um, hopefully we can get to it next week, all right? <clears throat> awesome. Well, um, one more thing that I wanted to say, and... Uh, I'm gonna, we're we're already flying on time here. So just really quick, we're gonna kind of teach through this handout. And right at the top, we just wanted to state some foundations that we believe uh, that we want to build on, that are true. Um, about the Holy Spirit. And like Mike said, um, we won't do justice to unpacking all of these things and why we theologically believe some of this, but we just want to state some of these things tonight. One, again, we believe everyone receives Holy Spirit at salvation. So if you accepted Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit lives in you, right? It's by the Holy Spirit that we can cry out, Abba, Father, I belong to you. He seals us for the day of redemption. Two, that we believe there's an ongoing reality to being filled with the Spirit that leads to empowerment for witness, mission, and kingdom expansion. Being filled with the Spirit is an ongoing reality. We don't think it's a one and done thing, okay? Uh, three, we believe, like Mike said, you can be filled with the Spirit and not pray in tongues. And then four, hear this. We are in no way trying to elevate this gift above others tonight, all right? We're not suggesting that people who pray in tongues are more spiritual believers in our midst. What we're trying to do is um, honor a really valid gift and a really valid part of our journey um, with Holy Spirit. So, all right. So we just wanted to build on that foundation as we jump into the teaching. Um, If you have your Bible, you can go ahead and open to 1 Corinthians 12. Um, A lot of the teaching around tongues comes from 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. It's great. We got the love chapter right in the middle of it because love and honor are what we want to undergird and surround all of these beautiful gifts that God gives us. Um, I'm actually going to read it out of the ESV, which is also what is printed on the, the sheet here. So here we go. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to the other the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit, and to another, gifts of healing by one Spirit. To another, working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. See that, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All of these are empowered by one in the same spirit who apportions to each individually as he wills. All right, so I want to start off our teaching about tongues by saying that one of the reasons that I think there's so much confusion around tongues is that we've taken um, a really narrow view of how tongues operates. And that as we kind of examine this stuff, text as we examine um, kind of church history and our own experience, that you can very easily make the case that there are multiple expressions of tongues. So it's what the text is saying here, a variety of tongues that manifest through the believer by the Holy Spirit that have a whole bunch of different purposes. And I would say that it's kind of like healing, uh, there are gifts of healing that are given by the Holy Spirit, right? We know that. Um, you will see a manifest in some people's lives. They'll have an anointing for inner healing and emotional healing. Um, my friend Kathy Deal, who's on staff here, has this a beautiful anointing for emotional and inner healing. God really uses her in that area. Um, somebody might carry an anointing for physical healing. Somebody might even have an anointing for physical healing that manifests in a very specific way. They have an anointing for healing of bones or um, healing of uh, issues related to the heart. So it's all healing, but we can see that it manifests in different ways um, throughout different people throughout the body. And I think that, again, as we look at the text and as we talk about this, we'll see that in a lot of ways, that's exactly how uh, tongues works, all right? Now I'm going to use a lot of teaching tonight straight out of a book by John Bevere called The Holy Spirit An Introduction. Um, How many of you have taken this class at third? Quite a few. Okay, awesome. Great. Well, this will be a good review for you. Um, Funny story about this book. I had been teaching this class for like two years, and then Mike walked into my office one day and was like, this is, have you seen this book? This is like the best book on the Holy Spirit. I was like, well, thanks for paying attention to what I'm doing around here. Yes, I know this book, and it is really good. So, anywho, uh, this is a great book about um, the Holy Spirit in general, but it has some of the best kind of unpacking of tongues, the what tongues is that I've actually read in sort of one place. And so, we're going to borrow several kind of themes or umbrellas around the area of tongues that are taken straight from this book. And so the way that John Bevere kind of unpacks this is the whole idea that we have kind of a public tongue um, which is an individual who's ministering in tongues to another person or groups of people for corporate edification, for the building up. So it's it's the use of tongues, and it is to benefit somebody else, all right? So that's going to be kind of our first umbrella. Um, again, these aren't probably perfect terms, um, but it's got a public, corporate, other use, okay? Okay. And then the other way that we're gonna talk about tongues is more um, just in a private use, okay? So in that, uh, that, in that case, is for more of an internal or for the person um, who's specifically using it, okay? So the first one that we're gonna talk about under this sort of uh, umbrella of being more of a public or a corporate tongue is tongues as a sign to unbelievers. And when um, tongues is translated in the text, uh, now I am by no means a Greek scholar, but I I read this, so (laughs) that it's translated two different ways. It's translated as this um, xenoglossolalia or just glossolalia. Xeno is just... um, it literally just means foreign, and glossolalia literally just means tongue, okay? So even as it's used throughout the scriptures, it's being described in different ways. There's various ways that it's being used, okay? And so uh, this first one would be defined as when the Spirit gives us the ability to speak another language of the earth— so a foreign language that we don't naturally possess the knowledge of on our own. And the whole primary purpose of this um, gift of tongues, is to grab the attention of somebody who's not yet a believer. So this is what in 1 Corinthians 14, when Paul is saying, therefore tongues are for a sign not to those who believe, but to unbelievers, this would be the type of tongues that he's talking about there. And like Acts 2 is our perfect like biblical example of this, because on the day of Pentecost, we know Jews, the scriptures say, Jews are gathered from every nation under heaven, and each heard their own language being spoken. We know that the disciples were all Galileans, yet as they spoke in tongues, these foreign languages were heard throughout the crowd declaring the wonders of God in a language that they could understand, right? And, um, I've heard actually quite a few stories about this, where uh, somebody was preaching or teaching feels prompted to pray in tongues. As they're praying in tongues, there's somebody in the room who hears it as a very specific earthly language that the Holy Spirit then uses to kind of bear witness to something in their lives. And I wanted to read um, just a quick example of that. And one other book that I'm going to recommend, and both of these are lifted, listed on your sheet, um, is a book called Everyday supernatural, living a spirit-led life without being weird. Okay, that's what one of the things we're trying to do here, friends, is to live a spirit-filled life without being weird. Um, It's written by a pastor named Mike Pilavachi. Um, You may have heard of a worship leader named Matt Redman came out of this church. Um, And I want to read just a story of just kind of a modern day picture of how this happened in their midst. So he said, a few years ago, we were in an evening meeting at Soul Survivor, and we prayed for people to receive the gift of tongues. Um, Every year, we get visitors from different countries, and this year, there happened to be a youth group from Romania. Uh, The youth leader from this group didn't believe in the gift of tongues, so as we invited the Holy Spirit, he just got up and he began to walk out of the room. Now, as people began to pray, the rest of us in the big top began to speak out praise to God, either in English or in tongues. I happened to be praying over the microphone in tongues, and I noticed it seemed a little bit different to me that night. I even wondered if I was subconsciously trying to make it sound better, uh, since so many people could hear me. We're still very human, even with our gifts, aren't we? Afterwards, a couple of young people from the Romanian group ran up to me and said that as I started speaking, their youth leader stopped in his tracks. He had been stunned because he recognized the language that I was speaking in, and apparently I was speaking in ancient Romanian. According to him, I was reciting an 11th century Romanian poem called The Prayer for Protection. And to add to that, he knew the words by heart because the poem was one that had been tattooed on his father's back. So to say the least, that youth leader now believes in the gift of tongues. All right, so um, kind of a cool story, but just... uh, God can do whatever he want, can he? <laughs> and so, uh, just love it that one of the f- ways that he can grab the attention of someone, grab the attention of an unbeliever, is by using this gift to speak in a language that, um, and catch somebody's attention um, to declare his goodness and to declare his glory. So that's kind of our first public or corporate use of tongues. Um, next we're going to talk about um, tongues that needs um, an interpretation all right Now <clears throat> this is the type of tongues that Paul is doing a lot of shepherding around in 2 Corinthians um, 12 through 14. Um, this specific type of tongue is a heavenly language so it's not spoken anywhere on the earth and it is to be accompanied by a translation. Um, The purpose of this is that it really functions as almost a form of prophecy for the purpose of corporate, sorry, I'm tripping over my words, corporate edification, which edification is just a word that really means building up, okay? And um, yeah, when this type of tongues is translated, it's not necessarily an earthly language, right? I'm not speaking in Spanish and having someone translate it into English. What's happening is someone... Um, is speaking in tongues, and then the Holy Spirit is dropping an interpretation of that word into um, into the person who receives the interpretation. Now, sometimes it might be that the person who's praying out in this type of tongues is the one who actually gets the interpretation to share with either the person or groups of people that they're praying with, Or it could be that the person praying in tongues, um, someone else in the group or in the room is the one who gets the interpretation. Um, And again, this would be what I would consider like the, maybe the purest form of like the actual gift of tongues. Um, This one is a little bit more of a a rare one, though um, it's happened. I've had it happen to me. Um, And so this is where he's, where when it's talking about tongues that need the interpretation of tongue, or tongues, that need an interpretation. This is the spiritual gift. And so, um, like I said, I think this is the one that was particularly getting abused and misused in the Corinthian church, that there was uh, kind of a lack of mindfulness and honor around this particular gift that was causing just a lot of confusion um, in the space that Paul is really trying to shepherd. Uh, Just a a quick uh, story about this kind of a modern day one. Uh, My husband, John, works for InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. They minister on college campuses throughout the U.S. And he was at a really important meeting a couple of years ago where they were doing vision work for kind of their next 10 years um, called their 2030 Calling Vision Meeting. And um, so he was with kind of a key group of leaders, and they were gathered together. Um, they were moving into a time of prayer, and one of the women uh, in the group felt like the Holy Spirit was coming upon her and inviting her to pray in tongues um, over the individuals in the group. And um She's an intercessor. She uh, so she went to the leader of the team, asked for permission, and said, "I feel like this is what the Holy Spirit's prompting me to do. Um, would you be okay if I if I did this?" Uh, got permission, and then um, said could feel the Holy Spirit resting on her, felt drawn to pray over John first, so comes over to John, said, you know, she can feel the Holy Spirit's power coursing through her as she begins to pray, is drawn to John, begins to pray over him in tongues, and then she went on to interpret what it was that um, she had received for him, and speak that then out over him. Now then she went around and spoke in tongues and interpreted over every single team member who was in the room that day. And they go back and they look at that as a very key pivotal time for their leadership team as they were establishing the vision for the next key season. And so that's a beautiful picture of this gift operating in a corporate setting for edification. It was done with honor, and it was, um, yeah, incredibly powerful for this team of leaders as they were moving into this next season of leadership. So that would just be a modern-day picture of how that gift can operate kind of in community, all right? Um, Like I said, I've personally had a few different people interpret my tongues when I was praying over them. Um, This hasn't happened a lot to me. Um, I couldn't tell you that I I knew the difference between, uh, uh, if I'm going to pray in tongues over someone in a ministry session, I'm usually mindful of whether or not the person is comfortable with that or I ask permission. But a handful of times as I've been praying out in tongues over them, people have received direct interpretations from Jesus about what I was releasing over them. So just another picture of um, tongues and interpretation. And like I said, it's really acting in some ways like a prophecy. something that's being released to encourage, comfort, or edify the person then who's receiving that gift, okay? Now, if we understand the difference between these corporate tongues, 1 Corinthians 14, 22, 23, and 24 makes so much more sense. So um, if you have your Bibles, you're welcome to go there, or I'm, I can read it out for us as well, and then we're going to really have to giddy up here to finish up. <clears throat> Uh, this passage used to always drive me crazy because I was like, Paul, you are totally talking out of both sides of your mouth here within like three verses. So he says in 1 Corinthians 14, 23, "Um, so then tongues are not a sign for unbelievers, but they are, Or sorry, tongues are not a sign for believers. They are a miracle for unbelievers, Prophecy, on the other hand, is not for unbelievers, but they're a miraculous sign for believers. Then he goes on to say, So if the entire church comes together and everyone is speaking in tongues, won't the visitors, unbelievers, say that you have lost your minds? But if everyone is prophesying in an unbeliever or one without the gift enters your meeting, he will be convinced by all that he hears, and he'll be called to account for the intimate secrets of his heart will be brought to the light. He will be mystified and fall face down in worship and say, God is truly among you. So if you, uh, if we don't have an understanding that there's various types of tongues, that those few scriptures make no sense. Because on one hand, he's saying, no, tongues are for unbelievers, but oh wait, don't speak in tongues when unbelievers come in your room. You should be prophesying, but wait, prophecy is for the body. And so if we use this understanding that actually it's a both and, that tongues are a sign for unbelievers, particularly that first tongue, when it can grab people's attention as you're speaking in a foreign language. Like I said, Acts 2 is a perfect picture of that. But then um, understanding uh, that second type of tongues, that the tongues plus an interpretation is uh, should be used kind of with wisdom in the midst of your gathering, um, those scriptures begin to at least make a little bit more sense. Although I really think Paul could have taught this a little more clearly, in my opinion. I'm not kidding. So anywho, so <clears throat> Those are kind of our corporate uh, gifts that we talk about, gifts really given to influence and edify other people. All right, now we're going to fly through these next two and talk a little bit more about private tongues, um, or kind of a personal tongues. It was what Mike was referring to as like a personal prayer language. And we would define that as prayer in a heavenly language for your own personal edification, intimacy with God. And you, as you are praying, you may or you may not receive an interpretation. So sometimes when I'm praying alone in the spirit, I feel like I actually have a really clear sense. God wants to share something with me and I may get some type of revelation in my mind about what he wants to speak to me. Other times, it's just for the pure joy of connecting with him in prayer, just being filled with the Holy Spirit, just connecting heart to heart. It's like, uh, I tell people for me, my prayer language sometimes feels like a shortcut for me to step into the flow of the Holy Spirit when I'm in ministry or when I need to hear from God. Um, So it's like it cuts through all the junk that's going on in my mind, and it helps me to step into what it is that Holy Spirit wants to do. Um, a couple of scriptures around this. But you, beloved, building yourself up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God. Uh, The one who speaks in a tongue builds himself up. You know, Paul says that, and he says to the Corinthians too, I'm glad I pray in tongues more than any of you. So evidently he knows there's something beautiful and beneficial, right, about that. And so he recognizes that there's an edification that comes from this type of personal, um, personal prayer language. This is the type of tongues that many in our community operate in. Um, we have a lot of people who have personal prayer languages. And again, I would make the distinction that this is not necessarily the gift of tongues talked about in 1 Corinthians 12. That's for the corporate perso- purpose. But. Um, I believe uh, this isn't a perfect word, but if that's the gift that that uh, a prayer language is, is just a grace. And I would uh, say that, I think that there is um, an opportunity for anybody who um, is saved um, and filled with the Spirit to actually have a personal prayer language. I think that it's available. Now, I know there's a lot of complexity around that, and we're going to get into that next week. But I do think that because the Holy Spirit lives in you, that there's a grace for you actually to pray um, in a prayer language. All right? All right. Now we're going to jump to the last one. The last one that's more for personal or private use would be like tongues for intercession. And that's when we're using, again, a heavenly language used to pray the will of God over specific people in situations. And it allows us to pray God's will when we don't know how to pray. Um, This might be the way that I use it the most because I run into so many situations that I'm like, Lord, how do I pray for this? Uh, Romans 8, right? Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. For we don't know uh, what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Uh, There's a reality to warring. I think that happens in this intercessory tongues. Ephesians 6.18 says, Pray in the Spirit in all times, on all occasions, stay alert, and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Um, I'm by no means saying that praying in the spirit only means tongues. Obviously, we can pray in the spirit when we're speaking out scriptures. Uh, we can pray in the spirit, yeah, whenever we're in the flow. But I do think that's one of the things, uh, one of the ways that we can do warfare or battle. Uh, the enemy cannot interpret your tongue. Um, and so in some ways, it, it really is kind of a, a covert uh, way to intercede or to pray. Um Uh, to pray over people in situations. And it can just be a powerful way to shift things in the Spirit. So I'm going to close with one last story and then just move us into a time, um, a little bit of prayer, and then a final worship song. And I wanted to read this. How many of you are familiar with a woman named Jackie Pullinger? Uh, she ministered in Hong Kong. Um, she just had a heart for the poorest of the poor, uh, moved into this area, and just had such a heart to see um, addicts, drug addicts rescued, people trapped in all kinds of um, just difficult situations. She, I just read more of her story. She literally got on a boat. She was like a music teacher, pray, prayed, prayed, along the way, and then just told the Holy Spirit to tell her where to get off, and Hong Kong was where she landed. And uh, this is, um, all right, here's what it is. So she went to Hong Kong as a young woman and found herself ministering among drug addicts and gangs. She was so struggling to make any sort of impact until she began to pray in tongues, and she writes about how she used the gift. The Holy Spirit prompted me and so by the clock I prayed 15 minutes a day in the language of the Spirit. I still felt nothing as I asked the Spirit to help me intercede for those he wanted to reach. But up after about six weeks of this, it was like I began to lead people to Jesus without even trying. Gangsters would fall to their knees just sobbing in the streets. Women were healed. Hair and addicts were miraculously set free. And I just knew it had nothing to do with me. Jackie often says it has nothing to do with their actions and everything to do with committing to praying in tongues for that season. The gift of tongues can supply words for our soul, draw us into God's love, and it can powerfully advance the kingdom of God. So I guess I would say the bottom line in all of this is that we're, we want to be a community who's learning how to use the appropriate type of tongues in the appropriate type of setting. There, First Corinthians fourteen thirty nine through forty says, "Therefore, brothers, desire earnestly to prophesy, but don't forbid speaking with tongues. Just let all things be done decently and in order." And so um, I think that's what we're trying to figure out is a community. Uh, One final thing I would say about tongues for intercession, um, I do believe that there are appropriate times to use that gift in community. So again, I know we're using public and I know we're using private. I'm not sure those are the perfect terms. Um, When I'm in a group of people who's familiar with Um, this gift of the Spirit, uh, this is often a way that we will pray uh, together. There can be something powerful about interceding in tongues together. So again, I think with wisdom in the right setting, understanding who you're with, that that is a gift that can be used in community. It may direct um, the intercession that you then speak out. And so I do think that it can be a tool for communal intercession as well. All right, so... We're gonna quickly land the plane here tonight. And I'm just gonna move us into a time of prayer. And part of why we decided to kind of just fire hose you a little bit with this stuff tonight was so that you could just take this home this month. Just take it with you. Study the scriptures. Um, And Mike started off the night by praying this. Just ask the Holy Spirit for greater wisdom and revelation around these things. And we wanted to give you a month to kind of chew on this. um, To, uh, yeah, to just kind of seek the Lord and to really pray that prayer. And then i wanted to move us into a time too so we're going to pray that way but just also repentance a little bit um what i found over the years <clears throat> um, you know i i grew up in a presbyterian church i really got exposed to tongues more in college kind of through mike and some of my other friends um but what i find around this gift in particular is there's a lot of judgment on both sides um there can be a judgment of those who do speak in tongues and how they're using it um and then there can be judgment from people who speak in tongues thinking that other people are less because they don't have it or don't use it and so we wanted to spend a little bit of time just repenting of those things and just welcoming um, we, like I said, we were trying to build a community that really honors the gifts, but honors one another as well. And so just wanted to pray around that a little bit uh, tonight. <clears throat> uh, I know that this can be a little bit of a, a tender area too. I prayed for well over two years. Uh, to pray in the Spirit before I finally received um, my prayer language, and I'll share more of my story next month. But those were hard seasons, and uh, there was a lot of reasons I really longed for that gift. But part of the other reason that we're speaking about this is there's something that happens when we honor the Holy Spirit, and when we honor the gifts of the Spirit, it actually opens the doorway for these gifts to be released amongst us. And so, again, I'll share more of this in my story next month, but I think there's a way that I actually had to go away and be in a different place to receive it because um, in some ways, uh, again, I'm not blaming our tribe or community, but I just grew up in a place that didn't create space for this gift. And so um, it was one of the reasons that it wasn't seen around us. So all that to say, there's a whole slew of things um, that can happen around this gift. And so let's just go ahead and move into prayer. And I'm going to give you a few just pause moments to just be with the Lord around a couple of these things. So Holy Spirit, we, um, we're we so grateful tonight that um, you just give us good gifts. You love us. And in the end, too, God, I've just been struck again um, throughout the past week. All of these things are really about uh, your presence being released amongst us, your goodness being released amongst us, and your kingdom coming amongst us. And we're, we're so grateful that you give us a whole variety of ways to encounter your presence. And that tongues happens to be one of them, Lord. And we're thankful for that. And so we honor that gift. Uh, we honor this community, but we do want to take just a moment to just repent, and so I just invite you uh, just to take a examine your heart for just a moment. If you've, um, like I said, harbored any judgment on either side of this, either um, judging people who do or don't operate, just give you some space to confess that to the Lord. And to give you just a moment to ask the Lord for just um, greater spiritual wisdom and revelation around who He is, around His gifts and His goodness. Lord as a representative of the church tonight I just repent of the the either lack of use or misuse um. Around this gift in particular Lord and we just pray as a body Lord that we would learn how to honor who you are Holy Spirit that we would honor your gifts amongst us that we would honor one another in the process and on our journeys Lord and we're so grateful that there are just so many uh, beautiful ways that you invite us to connect and to go deeper with you and that's really our heart tonight Lord so we just uh, we just love you And God, I pray just a special blessing over those uh, tonight in the room who are maybe hungry for a prayer language, hungry for this gift, Lord. And I just bless that desire tonight. And I thank you, Lord, that um, you see that desire. You are the good gift giver. And we just entrust that to you. So thanks for your work amongst us tonight, Lord. And we just pray these things in Jesus' name.